Thanks for taking the time to listen to the 3D Ortho Pro podcast, and I hope you enjoy our latest episode with Mark Baxter. Please be sure to check out our website to get more information on our 8-Soul and Piro products. Welcome everybody to the 3D Ortho Pro podcast, and we're super excited to have Mark Baxter with us today, who is the owner of Crispin's Orthotics Limited. Um, those people who know who Mark is will know that he's been 3D printing um, in the orthotics business for some time now, and uh, really pleased to get him on so we can have a good conversation around really where Mark started with his ideas and, and where he's got them to and potentially what, what his new ideas are going on from there. Um, so I guess, Welcome, Mark. Hi, Doug. You right? Yeah, good, thank you. You're good. Uh, I, I, I think like, I like to just be nosy and get started by asking people, you know, where, where like, what's your, your background and, and how did you kind of get to your, the point where you are now with Crispin and, and with 3D printing? Yeah, no problem. Well, actually, I didn't want to get into orthotics. I tried my <laughs> best not to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the re reason being is that my father was an orthotist, my stepmother was an orthotist, and my uncle was an orthotic technician. <laughs> Definitely in the family then. Yep. So I thought, right, okay, let's look at alternatives. Um, and at my age, computers were just starting to be launched. So I thought, you know what, actually, maybe these things will take off. So I looked at, um, it was like a, an IT type course at that point, looking at building computers. So I thought, right, let's, let's do this. So I went to have a look at the course and speak with the, the guys that run it. Um, and thought, actually, I can't do this. This is this far too dry. So I thought, I need to look at alternatives. And at this point, I just finished school um, and it was school holidays. So I thought, right, all right, let's let's follow my dad in a clinic. So he goes, right, come along with me um, and see see what the clinics are about. So I did. And, and you know, what? I actually enjoyed it. And I think it was because orthotics and prosthetics still have problem solving element to it yeah so you've got a technical element but then you were in front of people as well so there was a social element which was missing from the, the computer science part yeah i thought right great yeah i'm gonna do this so it was a bit different to, to the way my dad trained um mm -hmm. at that time it changed to being a university course so um and i went to university in 1993 mm -hmm. i went to strathclyde uni and did the P course up there um, which I finished in 97 and then started working with my dad again. Um, so at this, at this point, was your dad, was Crispin's in existence at that point? Or yes, yeah, he was. was. He, he started up with my stepmom and there were, I think it was five employees at that time. So I came out and he goes, yeah, okay, you can take over. So I actually took over the role of my stepmom. My stepmom took a bit of a, a backseat then she pulled out of it somewhat. Um, as, soon as, as, soon as, you, as soon as you graduated, you were... You were straight in to the... <laughs> yeah, sort of. I actually, you know, I spent, I spent time with uh, one of my colleagues who's called Ian Sanders. And the interesting thing is Ian was my mentor at that time. Right. Yeah, I know Ian. Ian yeah. actually, <laughs> Ian, works, Ian works for us now. Yeah. So, you know, he's our clinical services manager. Um, and it was great because Ian's, Ian's a super knowledgeable guy and a really good clinician. So it was great to spend time with him and learn with him. So I had a bit of time with him before they actually sent me off by myself. Cool. Um, oh, that sounds good. That sounds good. Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't just get thrown into it, so that, that was definitely a positive. Then um, 
So that'll be 97. Then myself and my dad worked together for a while and he decided that he'd bring me into the business. So I become more involved. And it sort of worked, but the industry was changing. And what you found is that the, the, um, the way you got work was becoming more contract driven. So you had to go for tenders. Yeah. And one thing my dad didn't, didn't like was paperwork, which is probably his main hate. And his second hate was doing public speaking. So the two, the two combined didn't really work well to try and get tenders. So that was probably approaching 2000. And then in 2001, um, I said to him, look, you know, I want to progress this. So how are we going to do it? And he says, right, okay, tell you what, I'll sell you it. So <laughs> in 2001, he decided- Get mate, mates rates off your dad. Yep, yep, <laughs> no, no, def, definitely not mates rates. <laughs> right, we actually, we actually got something to value the, um, the business and, and then I paid him for, um, for the amount that it was. And oh. I don't know how much time you've got, but I think, I think one of the funny things is my dad actually went to the bank manager um, and told the bank manager that won't make it to my first year. This, <laughs> was the same, this was the same bank manager that I had to go to and plead for a loan when my dad had just told him I wasn't going to make it to my first year. So for, fortunately, he had faith in me. Um, so he, he allowed me to borrow the money and then, and then pay my dad for the business at that point. Oh. So, in, so in 2001, I became the owner of um, Crispin orthotics and then i've just kept being the owner so i'm the md then i was the yeah. md today so 20 years yeah. now. oh cool but, uh, that's that's our story and uh, and and then obviously then you talked there about how you saw the industry change when it went to contracts and uh and, and tenders and yeah. and i guess you you've probably then seen the way it's kind of changing again now with with 3d printing and you guys have been printing for a number of years, uh, seven, seven or eight, perhaps? Um, yeah, less. near enough. It's like six, yeah. six years, I think, where we started. And where did, where did that idea, like, where did, where did you, because I was, I was obviously a really early adopter of, of that principle. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, because of that, the interesting computers, um, I always want to try and bring technology within to our industry. And we were one of the first to start using um, scanning technology which I reckon was probably nine, nine years or 10 years ago. Um, and we're using that structured light scanner, which great, it give you this really good representation of the body part that you required. The, the problem was is then how would you create a product from that? So we invested in, um, it was like a large format, which we still have a uh, mm -hmm. machine, yeah. which we brought in over from, from Canada to be able to mill out of polyurethane. So you end up with the, positive model of what you scanned yeah but then you were still then uh, doing the traditional manufacturing process to yeah product. so what we thought is you're using this scanner you're creating this amazing digital image but yeah. then you're milling polyurethane foam when you mold over it it tended to compress slightly so you lost a little bit of the accuracy yeah but then when you'd mold the material and you take it off the material generally tends to have a memory so it try and creep back yeah so you'd, you have this amazing accurate image initially, and then it will change over time when you go down the manufacturing process. So I thought, right, okay, it'd be good if we could get rid of the milling process, use a digital image to make something. Um, and that yeah. was probably six, seven years ago. Um, so we thought, right, okay, um, 
can 3D printing work for our industry? So we bought, it was a really small printer. It's it called a Zortrax printer. I think they're still going actually. Um, it was like a hobbyist level printer. Yeah. Uh, which is called fused deposition modeling, which is the printers that it's like spits out spring. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. And we played around with um, various bits of software. It's like, can we actually create some insoles using this machine? And, you know, we, we did. We thought, actually, this, this is potential to work. So, yeah. and I think just going, going, going back a little step there for people that are not doing this themselves at the moment is that you, you kind of touched on the two points, which are the, probably the biggest um, part about the accuracy that having that digital flow of a scanned model and then using the printer without having to take too many other steps, which can allow creep or margin of error to come yep. into it. And, yep. And when we say to people like you know the accuracy is like 0.3 of a millimeter from your scanner, you you, you don't lose any of that through your journey. Um, if you if you're able to keep it digital, like whereas you said like the compression of the the foam um, and and other traditional methods of replication where it can be variable, who's doing it and and who's seen the patient and there's there's so many more steps for variability whereas. Yeah digitally you're able to, to keep that which I think is a, a big point when people are thinking why is it more accurate to do it this you know, way? You know Doug I think there's also the consistency as well you know what we were finding with because we repeatability away. yeah but, but repeatability in scanning even mm -hmm. you know when you when you take a cast you get variations between orthotists and then you get mm -hmm. this orthotist technician relationship really yeah. came hard if you bring a new orthotist in because even the the compression of the plastic bandage would create you know, a different cast yeah but with scanning, scanning creates obviously a scan of the outside surface that won't change. Yeah. If you have a leg in a particular position, it will be the same, whoever scans it ultimately. Yeah, I know like one of the first tips you gave me when I started was trying to get that box as small as possible, like, but to get everything in it, to keep the, 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 the detail as, as high as possible, which is... Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you know that that's, that's one of the really important tips if you use the iPad and structure sensor. So people sometimes don't realize that, that that box basically has a number of pixels in it. Mm -hmm. So the so the larger the box, those those pixels are distributed over a much larger space. So if you are going to scan a person, but you have the bounding box as large as the room, then the yeah. image of the person will be really poor. You can't use it. Mm -hmm. So get that box really small, and the resolution is very good. So yeah. it's although I've seen other people when I've tried to say that to them. Make, fiddle around so much of the box and make it so tight that it becomes frustrating. I think it's like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. just, just, yeah. It doesn't have, have to be absolutely bang on. It's just, you don't want to be scanning the room as well as a person's like, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's the important thing. So, so then, so then when we, we, um, after we bought the FDM printer and thought actually this could work, we bought ourselves another FDM printer, but this time it was a, a professional level one. Um, and that was a, a let's call it a Stratasys Fortis machine. Okay. So, and you know, it, it was a good bit of kit actually. We started printing in, in a material which was uh, nylon, which is quite a sticky material. It works well for uh, 3D printing if you can make it work. Um, and it was a larger scale system, so we could print larger parts out. And what that allowed us to do again was play around with all the different software packages that we could use for our industry. Mm -hmm. And the main thing we, I think, well, the thing I was probably most proud of that we created from that was um, a prosthetic arm for a shoulder disarticulation patient. Mm -hmm. So he had no arm. He, he had it taken off in a motorcycle accident. And he wanted an arm where 
it would allow him to be able to control the throttle in a plane. Okay. So, like, one of the first things that you create 3D printed, I know what, I'm going to create a proper guy goes and flies a plane. Um, not only that, he ended up on the, on the Davina show um, oh, God. where he was doing stunt flying with his arm on. <laughs> no pressure. It's, it's yeah, yeah typical, no, exactly. On TV, the stunt flying. Typical scenario, the first one you try is most yeah. complicated. Yeah, 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 yeah. But what was really good with that was that it was a software development. So we worked out what we could do software-wise and we played around with lots of different software packages um, where it would work for the transition of it didn't need to be really skilled in CAD. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I wanted it to be able to transfer across. So we had technicians and clinicians using the CAD software, not actual CAD designers. And then we could get that transition from traditional manufacturing to digital without having to employ new members of the team. So that, yeah. that was the process. I and think then, that's another the other element as well that you go through for other people is the element of the, the post-scan processes to the, some that we have to look at is how that becomes uh, the rectification process and adjustment process that occurs is, is something that still exists um, and it's just a case of it's, it's digital again. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and scanning it is a skill, you know, it's not an easy thing. So, and especially where, you know, same for, I don't know, scanning for an AFO, for example, if you're working over multiple joints, you've got potential for movement. Um, and it's then trying to get around and get all the imaging, knowing what yeah. you can get away with, what you can't get away with. So there's an education element within the, within the scanning side, which I think is yeah. really important. Definitely. I think I find that as well. Like there's some things I'll still get hands on with the cast because of what you want to do to that, yeah. that, that limb. Um, whereas other things you think, actually, I can manipulate this foot using a, a plate to and still scan it and, and get a good result. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think is, is something that we can do, definitely. Um, so then when we, so when we knew we could do the software, we thought, right, okay, the, the problem with fused deposition modeling or FDM printers is that they layer up. So you have problems with the um, consistency, the material and the different axes. Okay. So you get strength along, just going back to biomechanics, if you go, yeah. you get a lot of strength in X and Y, mm -hmm. but it was weaker in the Z axis. Yeah. Because layering um, like axes, almost like perforations. So in the Z, it was far weaker. So you have yeah. to be really careful with how you orientate it. Not only that, it was really time consuming. So to create that chap's arm took us a, a week's worth of printing. Right. Of different elements. And you can only place one in one place on the platform. So it okay. was never going to really be, for me, commercially viable within yeah. our industry. Yeah. Um, so that's when we started looking at what other systems there were. Um, and we looked at selective laser sintering, which is an amazing system. It can work really well for our industry, but relatively costly. Mm -hmm. So, and just as we're looking at selective laser sintering SLS, um, came along HP, and HP mm -hmm. launched their multi-jet fusion system. Yeah. And we were one of the first in the industry to start communicating with HP about the system. And it was good because we were one of the first. It meant that I actually spent quite a bit of time in Barcelona, which is where the R&D facility is. Yeah. And they did quite a few benchmarks for us. We submitted designs to them. They were testing them. So it allowed us to see whether it could actually potentially work before we decided to invest. So, and the thing with the, the HP system, we're a relatively small company. I think we have 45 employees. And you, you think when, you, when I spoke with the guys at HP initially, 
it was a conference um, or an exhibition and said, you know, okay, this, this printer looks great. What will it cost me? And so it cost you 250,000 pounds. So in my head, I'm like, wow, okay, that seems quite a lot of money. Um, but can we do it? Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll push the ball. Let's do it. I think it's worth it with the left. We put it. Then when you get the quote comes through, you need all the other bits and pieces. <laughs> Um, the, actual, the actual price we paid for the printer is £415,000. It's like it's like booking a flight with Ryan here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 You need this. You need like the most expensive vacuum cleaner in the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it was still for us though, and we thought actually we've gone so far in this journey and we can see what we can achieve. It was still worth us investing in, in that system. Um, and we did. And you know, it, it it work, It does work really well in our industry. There's, there's a lot of elements around design that you've got to be careful with. Um, but we can see now there's quite a few organisations worldwide that are starting to introduce this system and yes. the, that it can produce in our industry. So. I spoke. I spoke to one of the on one of the other podcasts. I spoke to uh, a chap from HP, and like they've got so many printer of these printers all around the world for different industries. Literally, the one that sticks out, he said. Smile Direct. I've got like forty printers around the world, just constantly printing. It's just yeah, yeah. mad, absolutely. Like, and do you think there's so many industries that can tap into to it just with a little bit of thinking outside the box? Yeah, I think um, it works. It works really well for our industry because of the when we when you do like custom made products for an individual. Yeah. So but we always all vary in size, so it's easy then to change the size of something. You're not restricted by a mold. Yeah, and I think like and I'll come on to the question later that I. I've got there about like the, the obvious benefits are like it, it's it's thinner and lighter, um, but um, what uh, what are the other elements that we're seeing the benefits that we get from 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 that varied thickness and material and I think there is the things we've seen is the, the variation that you can do with the design so it's like having unique geometries so like you know some of the products can have lattice designs in them or you can use a dynamic nature of the material to create something that has like a spring mechanism. Yeah. You can have integrated joints within a product. Um, so it opens up design parameters that you've not had with traditional manufacturing. So it's anything you would like custom made from plastic, then that's what 3D printing allows. So, and I think because we do a lot of custom made products in our industry, it fit that application really well. Yeah. So, you know, the tolerances, the tolerances that you work with 3D printing are far better than anything that you could do traditionally. Um, I mean, I remember speaking with HP initially, it's, there's a tolerance of 0.01% okay with you guys. And it's like, well, <laughs> we're, we're usually working in tolerances of 5%. So I've had this conversation with someone else before where you think, well, how do we decide what thickness of plastic to use? Like, what's the, what's this, the science? I mean, you're basically, come out of university and you you use two, three, four, or six mil plastic and you think you're basing that loosely on something. You think that they're bigger, I'll use six, or they're an average size adult, I'll use four. Um, yeah, obviously it doesn't work that way anymore. You can have it whatever thickness you want. Uh, but I think we're also being more attentive to the details of the patient. Like what is what is it they want to do? Yeah. Um, like varied thicknesses and like you say, making it dynamic uh, at certain points. So is it the foot plate, is it the strut? Is it um, where do the trim lines need to be and what does that give us back? Like the level of understanding of our prescription has, has been allowed to advance because of 
the questions and the possibilities that, that come up from I think from I think one of the nice things is when you, when you have the combination of um, you, you can create modular elements as well as bespoke so we do um, it's a dynamic AFO with a with a strut on the back now the strut is the modular element so you can have the variations of strength but then the foot plate and the calf section is snap to scan so then you combine in something that's completely custom made to the person's scan, but then bringing in a modular element to that. Mm -hmm. So and we do that things we like, we like strap type things as well. And um, some of the colors that we do, where it works, where you can bring the, the struts in and the modular elements, then combine them with the, the skin contact points. Yeah, so, and I, I think that that's the thing, there's no, again, there's not really a limitation as long as you can test a design or an idea to make sure that it's safe for patient use, but like there's almost no, like to me, there doesn't appear to be any kind of limit of where you could really go next. It's just the, a question of 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 how how you think about a problem and and, and look to, to solve it. We find we find some limits. You do find limits with it. Um, I think one of the things where because you know we'll make some products in carbon fiber, for example, where three D printing will take over from carbon fiber because it doesn't yeah. have the same you know strength to weight ratio. So to get the same strength in three D printing, it'd just be too thick. So you, you wouldn't be able to do that. And I think like that that's another idea that I've started seeing and discussing is like the combination of the two materials. Like, is there a place for that? And, yes. and, and that's kind of probably takes us, jumps us maybe a couple of questions, but that takes you kind of down <laughs> to that idea of, uh, of what I was going to ask you about Jodie Candy's leg that you were involved with, uh, make, well, involved with. That's probably not quite uh, strong enough, but uh, I don't know, you, you did put the story on, on LinkedIn and it was brilliant. So I wondered that if anyone hasn't read that, I thought you might just give us a, give us a kind of... Yeah, do you know, it, it, it was a great process to be part of, actually. Um, I mean, for people that don't know Jody Cundy, he's one of our most decorated Paralympians, um, was originally a swimmer and then went over to cycling. Um, and he's, he's a superb cyclist. He's a... Um, like you know, like he, me? We won't get into that one, Doug. <laughs> I, I, I'm Doug, sure Doug enjoyed a bike ride with me a few months back. I've not seen him since. <laughs> I was, I'm still still on the hill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did try and find that we still I could, which is pretty good thing, but there you go. <laughs> so it, what what happened with him is um Jody's one of the he's one of Oscar's athletes. And we know the Oscar guys, they know about what we're doing. Uh, they approached us and said, right, okay, we're looking for a new leg for Jody for our Tokyo Olympics. But the problem we have is that it's really hard for us to get um, consistency in design, the repeatability of design. And it's also, we'd like something a bit lighter. So it's like, right, okay. So, well, I think we could definitely do something. So what we did with him is he brought in um, a socket that he was really happy with the fit. And he also brought in a leg that he'd had in the past that he was really happy with the alignment. And from that, we scanned both of those. So we scanned his residual limb, we scanned the socket, the inside, and we scanned the alignment of the leg. And then on our CAD software, we could align all those elements. So um, we could see exactly where the cleat, which is the bit that clips into the pedal, was positioned in relation to the rest of his leg. So then from that, we could create the socket. This is all digitally, uh, it's like in the virtual world, create his leg, create the attachment then to the cleave, so as a design. Um, 
And then the other thing is that we got also involved with British Cycling. So we had, there was also British Cycling and was involved in the development. And they did, um, they've done aero testing on like various profiles of legs. So they sent me this profile and said, can you have this as part of his leg? So it's like, yep, yeah, we can put that in as design. So, so we had in the socket and then the bit that joined the socket to the cleat had profile that they specified. And then you had the bit then that will clip into the pedal. And they were all aligned as the leg, the leg that he liked and the socket then that will fit like the socket that he liked. Yeah. So then you look and think, right, okay, now we need to get to a definitive like. So I realized that um, when we're talking about the material and carbon fiber is that you won't be able to have created him just a 3D printed leg. Um, if we'd have done that, it'd have been too bulky and too heavy. So yeah. what we could do with a 3D print, 3D printed leg, however, um, is we could use it as a test for the aerodynamics and also test the fit. And we did that and it fit perfect, worked really well. Um, we couldn't put any power through it. But then the 3D printed material allows us, we can lay up pre-preg carbon fiber. So it's like a sheet material carbon fiber. And yeah. we can lay that up over the whole leg. So the socket, the strut, and where the it clicked into the pedal, um, which is really high strength to weight. And we could then lay it directly over the 3D printed part, which would get very lightweight. Then you bake that on the vacuum. And then when that came out, we have his leg. So, cool. and the, I think the final, the final weight of his leg was 450 grams. And Thanks. the previous one was 700. Plus then he was able to not break it and, uh, the amount of power that he can put, put through his best. It, it was scary. He, he, <laughs> I watched him on the when he did it, and he's like a it's like a sprint event. He, he'll do the kilo, and the amount of power that he puts out initially is significant. Um, the, the couple of weeks prior to that, in the proper Olympics, I'd just seen there was a there was a pair of three D printed handle bars. Or a, yeah, they broke Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm thinking, oh great, I don't want this to happen to our our leg. Um, <laughs> So yeah, so it was, it was a bit nervy when you watch him put the power through, but we know he tested it. It's it just that obviously watch him at that time, um, and obviously open he did well as well. And you know, this actually that sounded a bit too blown. I'm going to say Jody's he's not one of the youngest of athletes, yeah. but he still managed to set a, a personal best at I think he's he's in his I know he's in his forties, maybe forty three, um, which I mean, just shows how the class of athlete that he is. Um, but I seen the power he puts out, and it is it's amazing, really. So, so yes, yeah, so the thing with that leg is that if he needs another one, which is exactly the same, we can make him one exactly the same. Yeah. Everything with exact alignment, the socket will be exactly the same um, because we can just print out a new framework and the lay of the cam fiber over the top. Yeah, that's amazing. And like, it's cool to see the, the combination of materials to create that super high strength with less weight than his previous design. Yeah. And then, and again, that kind of just opens possibilities of potentially other other types of design to going forward for piando and then other materials uh, that, that can come into play and, and create combinations between like the typical material that everyone's printing in is is, is a nylon so it uh, i think like just hearing stuff like that that's, that's been so successful and that in a very unique situation is uh is is, is exciting like to think okay well what else can we what else can we do yeah, yeah. Like, I do I do like the unique products and they're, they're definitely interesting ones. So. Because I, I guess going on from that, like do you 
two. I've got two. I'll put these in the right order. So, but <laughs> uh, do you are you seeing like more orthotists using scanning technology and ordering three D printed orthoses um, in in the PO industry? Yeah. You've seen an increase. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. So, um, it, it, it was because obviously we've been doing this now for was it looking at printing for four years. Um, when we started with it, it was actually quite hard work because there were very few clinicians in the UK that were using scanning technology. Um, and what we found were actually there were more people using it in, in various countries worldwide. So yeah. actually, I think, I think the one that uses scanning more was, was Australia, for example. Mm -hmm. So they use a lot of scanning. And then we did, there's quite a few people in the Netherlands. Um, yeah. So we were working with various organisations overseas, but then we were also then trying to establish scanning within the UK and trying to explain what we've been doing with it. Yeah. Um, and I know, I know from my side, the conversations you have with clinicians is, 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 it is kind of a little bit of fear of the unknown, like to, to step into something. And, and I think partly one of our reasons was I didn't know that I wanted to keep having to do so many casts when I was, as I was getting older um, and, uh, and thinking like scanning, would have made that my life a little bit easier and things that systems yeah. that can be a bit more well, certainly quicker than casting and less it's, it's, a, it's, it's a learning do you know i think one of sometimes the things and i don't know now with uni but i think even uni up until fairly recently there wasn't a lot wasn't a lot of input into scanning so you know you were taught how to take a cast but mm -hmm. then taking a scan is slightly different and you still have to do the preparation work you know you can't yeah. just take a scan you have to think actually how will the scan come out how will yes. this scan so there is still that learning process and it's, it's, it's getting the education to be able to do that. So yeah, I, I, I think like the conversations I have is always, we're not like systems that we use and, and even scanning and it's a general, it's not replacing your assessment. Your assessment is still no. the, 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 the initial discussion and your assessment with the patient is still the basis to your prescription. It's just then how you take all that information yeah. and then you, take it forward into designing something and yeah do you know do you know one of the things i like with it is say say somebody sends a scan across and then you rectify the scan and then you create a product you you can show that product to that person virtually before you make it yeah so, and then the other thing then you can do is take it right back to the beginning so you know you show them and think actually this was the original cast this is how we got to this stage so yeah. whereas traditionally is if you rectified it, you can't take it back to the original cast. Yeah. If if you've made it and it's not quite right, then you'd have to remake it. So whereas this process, you do it, you can show somebody an image of it three-dimensionally, and yeah. they go, that's great, we'll have that one. Oh no, actually, could you just open that opening up a little bit more? Yeah. And then that's something that we can actually do virtually before you manufacture it. And, and it's that kind of saying, all right, I need a three mil build up here and a Four mil build up there, it's like okay, well, it's done to the exact number, as opposed to uh, the, I guess some of the the skill that a technician would use to, to do that, and that, but that can be translated in many different ways. Um, and I guess that's kind of my kind of want to lean on to my next question is like, do you think the traditional casting methods will eventually become outdated? I mean, I know my opinion is probably not not yet. It's not it's not there yet. Um, I, I I agree. I agree with you. I think it's definitely not there yet. I think the, the only way I can potentially see it, and I think there is some organisations working on something, is if you had markers that you could place on the leg mm -hmm. and then you could sort of manipulate the joint of whatever part of the anatomy yeah. you want to manipulate and then you take a snapshot of that position. Yeah, and I think still though that still comes back to assessment 
uh, and knowing what that where that foot what you want to do with that foot position or leg position and and a lot of the the, the way that we're kind of teaching like to scan is actually to get it as close to the position you want it in to minimize that any adjustments that you do need to do just so it's 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 in that place i think that big jump from just taking a limb in any position in in space and then putting it into software and then moving it around which is sometimes how you see things played out on webinars and they just have a limb and they just go yeah we just put everything to 90 and neutral and middle and it's like well like there's loads of people out there that are nowhere near that and and you're trying to and you're, you're balancing much smaller margins of movement and and different angles I think we, 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 we would tend to work with people and then you know ask what their requirements would be and then work through the ratification process uh-huh. um, another thing is you know we with the software we generally use so if somebody had assistance and they wanted to try and position say for an AFO for example ankle force obviously is on the position for an ankle then you could have somebody that was actually if they had minimal contact points we can mm-hmm. remove those yeah so, but again it's understanding what you can actually achieve. So if somebody's got the full hands there, mm-hmm. you got to think when you take that away, you're going to end up with a lot of space. Yeah. Whereas if it's only minimal contact point, then the computer software only has to fill in that small element of space. Yeah. And so. I think like just with all the, there is like we've talked about already, like it's, it's, a, it's a new technique. It's just the new thing to learn, which develops a lot of more, I think it gives a lot more ownership back to the clinician to, to, the, to what they, exactly what they want. Yeah. Like and it, and I think that does frighten people as well. Like the fact that they own so much more of it, like as opposed to like when it does go to somebody else who interprets it, interprets it, and maybe makes some of those adjustments for them, either with or without a conversation, depending on on, on, where, on the process and where you work. But I certainly found that that's the bit that I actually like is the fact that the bit that you have to own everything of it, um, yeah. and and. And that's you get because you're getting such, such an accurate device, and I, I think it takes time to to to, le- to learn that, that process. And I think I think that's the feedback we're getting is, is is the accuracy. You know, when you were saying about like the benefits of, of using three D printing, um, because you don't have that subjective element anymore. You you'll you'll get out exactly what you put into it. So and this is and the biggest one is like is repeats, like you say. It's like you you, you ask for another one, exactly yeah. the same, and it is exactly the same. Whereas yeah. you no, know, whereas Traditionally, you can you get variations. You get the, although maybe not visible to the eye, the patient would put it on and be like, "Oh, this doesn't feel the same." And then you're trying to find like, no, what part of the process it's maybe slightly different than the one before? Like, did a bit of plaster fall off it after they removed the, the plastic before? And you know, it's, it's even the temperature they put the plastic in the oven. You know, it, yeah, when and the stretch, yeah, and the stretch, yeah. and the, yeah, yeah. 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 which is yeah. this is not a kind of a skill, but a kind of difficult to replicate skill um, yeah. but um, and I tend to always ask this question to everybody because it's just good to get different viewpoints on on what what do you think is next for for orthotics and 3d printing what are what are we looking to the future like hypothetically not maybe what's around the corner but what what's where do you see it going well so I know it's, a very, it's a very difficult question but just to get people's views on where, where you'd like to see it go yeah, if I looked at it from a completely idealistic point of view, I think you'd be able to have a, a printer within your clinical environment that prints in a few minutes. Yeah. Whether that, that would be whether that be something that could happen, I'm not sure. So you know, I think I think what we currently are um, is that you have there's different methods of using 3D printing. So they've got ones that are software driven, 
Yeah. So, you know, you can import a scan and it'll create a product for you, which is based on some software algorithm, which I think is great. And that allows some people, they can have control of the design themselves, or yeah. then you've got completely custom made products, um, which is what we generally tend to do. So, you know, we, we look at creating products that are an individual for that person mm -hmm. and what the clinician's requirements are. And I think both of them can actually sit quite well within the orthotic market. Yeah, that's basically what we're doing here and what you're doing there and they do create two yeah, different... Yeah, you know, I think, I, think there's a, I think there's a real scope for, for both um, technologies. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think we're, we're probably more, when we say custom, but that's wrong because your product is still very custom. Yeah. Where you're, 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 the software is probably a little bit more restrictive. So yeah. it allows the user to be able to operate but restricts what you can do. Where I think, those, I think like your, your, your environment would kind of determine which situation maybe sometimes works better. Yeah. Um, like, like you say, like with the software that, that we're using, it's you can scan and go through the process there and then. So if it is a patient who I guess is you know, not overly complicated and you're not trying to manipulate a scan too much, then it goes through that really well. And, and yeah. then when it when it, it maybe needs a bit more fine, finite an element then, or are totally different products than, than what we are doing here, then I know that's where you guys can kind of also yeah. be, well, I, I know that because I've done it uh, with you guys, um, so that you can kind of create complete unique pieces. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what we see. I think. I think that's what's probably going to happen with the industry as it currently stands. Yes. I think it's, I mean, having the printer probably within the clinical areas is going to be beyond my time in this industry, I expect, just due to the complexity of it. So yeah, I, remember, I, I, you know, I remember one of the things when I bought a printer four years ago was people saying, well, that's it's going to be outdated in you know a couple of years' time. There'll be newer printing technology. Mm -hmm. um, but it hasn't changed that much. So, yeah. you know, the system we have has been updated. HP have a newer system that's come through, but it works exactly the same way. Mm -hmm. They just change some of the componentry. Yeah. So, you know, and that's so their system we're using has been used for five years. They've just launched a new system that's based on the same technology because the it works. Yeah. Um, and the, 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 the complexity of it doesn't make it easy to make it small. <laughs> yeah. I know. I think, and you think that that would. I mean, in the future, to have to be able to 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 scan someone, design it, and print it in your clinic, um, to, would be yeah. It seems that does seem far away. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, um, it's, it's, it's trying it, to replace the stock products, isn't it? You know, people like off-the-shelf products because the person comes through the door, they can assess if something's appropriate from from stock provided that day. Yeah, and then obviously they can leave with the product. Yeah, that's, that's the issue with this. Is there's still a delay of they have to assess scan the product and then they have to come back with the fitting of the product but a lot of the time it's you know with printing it's easier to predict the timing i think perhaps because I, I, yeah i don't know that you know it's more efficient it's more efficient yeah, it's, well. yeah i'm just trying to think it through my head it's definitely because it's, it probably requires less people to in the process of yeah. going through it i guess of making sure that you've got enough people who can pick it up if one person's yeah, yeah. Do you know one of the big impacts that we've not mentioned is um, is environmental impact. Yeah, that is yeah. a good one to mention. Yeah, we, we we saw major changes because you know I think you go from a scan and then think right okay I'm going to get it milled and you're milling polyurethane foams horrendous material. So, <laughs> but you can't recycle it. 
Yeah. So you know you end up then with whatever you've got milled out, but then a load on the in the um, extraction system. Yeah. So and then you've got the milled out products that you went to use, but then you can't do anything with that once you've used it. And then when you mold over that, you have to you vacuum form. And when you vacuum form, you're using more material than you require. Yeah. So you end up then wasting not only the polyurethane that you've used, but also you're wasting a load of plastic. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we, we did a calculation um, a couple of years back and we reduced our waste on plastics by 60%. Wow. And that's, that's even still doing traditional manufacturing the way we are. Yeah. So it's quite significant. That is amazing because I think then the flip side of that is that obviously with the printer, you're able to recycle some of the yeah, yeah. for a certain amount of cycles. Um, yeah, so yeah. you get a, it gives you a bit more longevity out of the out of one one kind of barrel powder. It's very it's very little waste for what products you provide. So I mean, it is it's nice to see. It's quite complex to explain, which I wouldn't do here because <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I'd get far too technical. There's, um, there's, there's, a, yeah. there's some videos showing the kind of processes on now on yeah. YouTube. I think that you can you can look it up and it, uh, the post process and stuff is uh, is maybe for another another podcast. I'll yeah, mention yeah, it here yeah. and there, but. Uh, it's it's the basic process of, of getting it printed is is much more efficient and economical than um than traditional methods which is also a massive massive plus yeah 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 especially you know for um for insoles as well but for orthoses yeah you know, with, um when you see that milled out of eva yeah you've got that, so you've got a block yeah, 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 it's like what is that about 70 percent of the block gets wasted or something yeah, like well, that also in some cases i know it's crazy um, and you can't do anything with it, so yeah. you know it's not a recyclable material. Yeah. Um, whereas 3D printing, you can create so many more, and you can still get the same benefits as well as what you get from UVA. I think it's people understanding what's possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Creation of variable material thickness is, is probably one of the, the best things that you can do, which is exciting to see because it makes your product so much thinner, but keeps the strength. Yeah, yeah. And then, cool. I think we could probably talk all day. Like we kind of almost have to, <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for coming on. I've been uh, looking forward to to chatting to you because I know your experience and knowledge in this area is like second to none. So I uh, appreciate appreciate your time. And yeah, uh, do you know it's good it's good speaking with you as well because obviously we're both working with organisations that do three D printing. But yeah, it's quite nice that you obviously we're communicating with each other because you can see the benefits that both can provide. Yeah, so it's definitely. a large industry, and I think you know really. We, we can both see that this is the future of, of our industry moving forward. And, and it's exciting, exciting for orthotics to have something like, like this occurring right now, moving forward. And I think sometimes I, I certainly get a bit lost with perhaps where, where I think it is and where maybe other people are with it in terms of kind of, I say, oh, you know, why are you not doing this yet? But uh, it'll come in time. And I just, you know, if I keep talking about it enough, maybe, <laughs> maybe a, few, uh, a few people will... will We'll, we'll grab a scanner and, uh, and give it a go. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, Perfect. And, cool. Thanks so much, Mark. Thanks yeah, for your time. No That's great.